You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed mind Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events this to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. Yes, the dark show. The dark, esoteric Anarchist World this week. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting this program in the studios of FreeCR in Melbourne. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au and most importantly of all... It is broadcast via the community radio network across Australia to every state and territory. And I understand there are listeners in every state and territory to the anarchist world this week. And if you wonder what anarchism is all about, no, it's not what you see on your TV screen or your computer screen. Anarchos without rulers. Very simple. So the anarchist struggle is to create a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people, as we see every day around the world? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve or share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Two of the most biblical, Quranic, Torah sentiments in the universe, when you think about it. Very simple concepts, things that human beings have been struggling for since time immemorial, things that we will continue to struggle for till the end of humanity on the planet. It's not about the destination. Anarchism is about the journey to get the destination. If you don't get to the destination, it doesn't matter as long as you have been on that journey to share power, whole wealth in, cam- in common, take the legs out of those who are, who today determine the lives of billions of people, including you, your children, your friends, your workmates. And if you haven't got any friends, your avatar. <laughs> you listen to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Political gangrene. I've seen a bit of gangrene in my life as a doctor over the last 47 years and uh, it's not nice. And if you don't deal with it, it kills the individual eventually and it's not very nice at all. Now currently, the Liberal Party around Australia, especially in Victoria, is fighting a battle against political 
gangrene. The Liberal Party over the last 20 years, well, really after the last, over the last 40 years, has been infiltrated by sectional, sectional interests who are basically interested in rolling back both the social and economic gains that have been made over decades of struggle. And now we see a struggle for the very soul of the Liberal Party. I'm sure if Mr Menzies is hanging about in the clouds somewhere and he's looking down at Australia and he's looking down at his beloved Liberal Party, which he formed, I can, th- I can assure you that he would not be voting for the political gangrene, which is slowly eating away at the very principles the Liberal Party was founded. Irrespective of what you think about Liberal Party principles, and I'm the first one to say I found them offensive, the fact is the principles the Liberal Party was based on, when you compare them to the political ideology, the, the baggage that is now part and parcel of Liberal Party Liberal Party across the nation. No wonder there is no Liberal Party in power on the mainland. No wonder there is no Liberal Party in power federally. And under Mr Peter Dutton, one of the leaders of the political gangrene movement, you will find that the political that uh, the only way for the Liberal Party to regain any type of credibility, especially after the shenanigans which we're seeing in Victoria, is by splitting. They need to remove the debris from the party. They need to clean out the Aegean stables. And when Mr Pesuto, the current leader of the Victorian Liberal Party, attempted attempted the Herculean task that Hercules was given of cleaning out the Aegean stables by the gods, he stumbled. He stumbled after one shovel full, one shovel full of Liberal Party shit. He fell a cropper. And why? Because the Liberal Party, in every state and nationally, especially in Victoria, has now been colonised by political viruses which are destroying the party itself. Now, a lot of people will say, isn't it lovely that the Liberal Party is dissolving? The fact is, my concern is, what will Phoenix-like rise up from the ashes? What will? Will we see... The political gangrene, which is now putting the Liberal Party in its death rows, will we see it spill out into the community? We've seen glimpses of this occurring over the last three to four years, and that's the dilemma. Think about it. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the community radio network. Now, New Labour... You may not have noticed, but there is a new Labor tinge in the air. (laughs) Yep, I can smell it. New Labor. 
And it looks like New Labour has been listening to the anarchist world this week over the past few decades. The new Labour Party, the new government in New South Wales, whether it's going to be a majority government or a coalition government, the new Labour Party uh, government in New South Wales, won on two issues. Two issues. One, removing the cap on negotiations regarding salary rises with uh, important um, government workers like health workers, paramedics, people in the uh, railways, and the list goes on and on. And secondly, by running a very mild anti-privatisation agenda, because the previous government had been privatising anything that wasn't nailed down, and they even were attempting to privatise Sydney Water, as well as privatise large sections of the public housing sector. And to a significant degree, their political success can be related to their anti-privatisation campaign, because, you know, people aren't stupid. They're not stupid. They understand that when you privatise something, things go terribly wrong. And although privatisation is supposed to increase competition, it decreases competition, it creates privately held monopolies whose major major essence is to create profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs, at least when it's publicly owned, if it doesn't make a profit, it's cross-subsidised by the taxpayer and it still provides that access to an essential service. So, but the interesting thing about the New South Wales Labor Party campaign, what I call New Labor campaign, was the fact that they were are talking about incorporating the ownership of the Sydney water in the New South Wales constitution which would give it some protection against uh, future efforts by future governments to privatise it. It's not like a the federal constitution where you get total protection but some protection over the last three to four decades I've been talking about privatisation I personally have been making uh, you know, some suggestions which obviously fall on deaf ears, but things seem to be changing. Because the thing about politics, you don't want to be a meteorite and burn your bum off in the first year or two and then crash, land somewhere and in pieces. You want to be a star. You want to be up there shining brightly. And that's what all the listeners to the Anarchist World this week are, stars. They're in there for the long haul. They're in there, they understand that this type of struggle is a lifelong struggle. There are successes along the way and there are losses along the way. But the important thing is not to lose heart and not to lose sight of the objectives you want to, you want to pursue. So we've been talking about for decades the fact that publicly owned assets are not owned by the people, as many people think. We have seen the privatisation of the ports, the privatisation of the airports, the privatisation of telecommunications, the privatisation of um, CSL, 
the private the privatization of the Commonwealth Bank, the privatize the sell off of uh, publicly owned land to the private sector, the privatization of large sections of the public housing sector, especially in Victoria, which always comes number one in the privatization game, and uh, New South Wales to a lesser degree. So New Labour is beginning to smell the change. Obviously, it's not going to go far enough, but people are now pushing in various ways for changes. They don't want essential services to be privately owned. We've seen the disasters which occur in the aged care sector when you privately own an essential service. And aged care is an essential service, especially for an increasingly ageing population. And many aged people who are aged are not multi-millionaires because of superannuation contributions. The superannuation will only last a decade, if at the most, and then they'll have to rely on the public purse. Then there's the movement to privatise essential services are being pushed back. But unfortunately, there are no essential services left to be privatised. I mean, the previous federal government was talking about privatising the hex debt. That's how desperate they'd become. And this privatisation agenda has been a ideologically driven agenda. It's got nothing to do with competition. It's got nothing to do with profitability. Most of the uh, publicly owned assets which were privatised were making a profit. Were making a profit. And that profit was going back to the Australian people through the Treasury. They were providing an essential service at a reasonable price through cross-subsidisation. And most importantly of all, they were ensuring that real competition existed in the community because the private sector did not own, have a monopoly on everything as it does now. It's a little bit like uh, when you're looking for a bit of petrol or gas. If you haven't got an electric car, and obviously most people don't, you can see that the, there are fluctuations in prices, but the fluctuations are geographically based. You go to one region, it's one price. You go to another region, it's another price. So the competition is minimal. The other interesting thing that's happened in the last 24 hours is that the Queensland Labor Party, the Queensland government, is putting legislation in place to minimise rent increases. Because what we've seen with increasing interest rates, what we've seen is the investment class, the 8% of Australians who have disposable income, who have disposable, who have properties, you know, more than one property, are freaking out as interest rates go up. So they pass on that cost to renters. So the Queensland Labor government is now thinking, well, talking about passing legislation to put a cap on rent increases. So these two changes highlight that with pressure 
change is possible. Change is possible, especially in what's described as a liberal, democratic, representative democracy. Change is possible, and change for the best. Obviously, it's not radical change, but it is change that will improve the lives of a sector of the population. Not the normal people whose lives are improved, the investment class and the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, but the great mass of people. Because ultimately, in a democratic society, power lies in the hands of the people. It doesn't lie in the hands of the bureaucracy. It doesn't lie in the hands of parliament. It doesn't lie in the hands of the corporate sector. Power lies in the hands of the people. And currently we have two examples of this important... um, this important foundation stone of representative democracy. One is what's happening in Israel. Now, currently, Israel is rapidly becoming a religious-based dictatorship, a theocracy. Not much difference between Iran and Israel when you really look at it. And the current government would really like to break up the division between the judiciary and the state by being able to rescind any legislation through a simple parliamentary a simple majority vote in parliament that is affected by a court decision, a high court decision. Now interestingly, in Israel, the high court is not appointed by the government of the day, as it is in Australia. Let's not forget that. In Australia, the high court and every other court position is appointed by the Attorney General, whether it's at a state level or a federal level. It's not appointed by some committee which is free of uh, constraints of party, party politics, but most of the judicial appointments which are made, and that's the beauty of being in government in a liberal democracy, you're actually able to stack the courts with people with, similar, with a similar ideological bent. So in many regards, we see tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Israeli citizens out on the streets directly confronting the current Israeli government's attempts to create a functional dictatorship in Israel. And the interesting thing that Israeli citizens who have gone on the streets are finding out is what it's like to be a Palestinian the things that Palestinians face every day. As reservists, water cannons, pepper spray, baton charges are all being used to try to disperse protests. Obviously, 
concerned about a potential reservist strike in Israel. That's army reservist strike. We haven't seen bullets being fired into Israeli citizens currently protesting against what's occurring in that country. But that is on the agenda as the government becomes more and more boxed in by people taking matters into their hands and confronting the government of the day on the streets. And that's what it's about. Ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people in a democracy. And any government that forgets that has an issue. And unfortunately in Australia, we're a passive mob. Look at the French. Look at the riots which are occurring. Look at the mass mobilisation that's occurring between students, workers, public servants, regarding the Israeli president's uh, attempts to turn France into another privatised mecca for the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. When the pension age in this country, that's good old Australia, was increased from 65 to 67, there was a murmur of discontent. A little murmur, a little breeze which came and went. Because we as a people are not just a passive lot. We as a people have accepted the mantra that private is good, public is bad, that we need to be exploited in order to keep the wheels go round. I know it's a very sad state of affairs. Now, now I wasn't alive at the, at the end of the 19th century, but at the end of the 19th century, Australia was seen as a beacon by working people around the world, especially Europe, in terms of the progress which they had made in terms of the reforms they had been able to squeeze out of the state. We were a beacon. In the 21st century, we are a pariah because we're quite happy to take whatever is dished out to us, whether it's the privatisation of public housing, whether it's, the pro whether it's the increase in the pension age, whether it's keeping people on a new start allowance, on a starvation, you know, uh, benefits. You name it, we'll accept it. We're such a passive mob who like to wor work up the right channels, begging, beseeching, hoping, praying. It doesn't work that way. Every single benefit we take for granted in this country has come through the actions of tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of Australians who struggled to ensure that you had a pension 
who struggled to ensure we had a universal health care system, who struggled to ensure we had a pharmaceutical benefits scheme, who struggled to ensure that there was some type of equity in the society as far as access to basic human needs are concerned. But today, because of the ideology we've pursued as a people, which we've embraced, embraced, hugged, loved, that private investment for private profit is the way forward, that decreased taxation for the rich is the way forward, for giving away our mineral resources for the you know First Nations peoples and our mineral resources to the corporate world, the international corporate world, is the way forward. And we are now paying that price because of our passivity as a people. Now, just in case you think that was a walk in the park for the people who struggled for these benefits which we enjoy today. It was no walk in the park. People were arrested, they were jailed, they were beaten, they were ostracised, they were blacklisted, and the list goes on and on. And if we don't understand our history, we will never change things in this society. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia. My name's Joseph, Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Let's move on. Look, you've got to take your victories where you get them. Now, I think over the last month or so, six weeks, I think you've been a bit bored by the Save, the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield, you know, battle. Well, victory. Victory. And on... This Sunday, if you are in Melbourne, you're invited to a celebratory picnic. Bring your own food and drinks, I'm afraid. Celebratory picnic at 20 Beaconsfield Avenue, Beaconsfield, the site of the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House. That's this Sunday, the 2nd of April, picnic starting at midday. Community celebration. Now, this was an interesting struggle, although it's now been won. It's an interesting struggle because we now have the government, that's right, the state government, the very people who created so much distress amongst local community residents for over a year, claiming that they are victory. Now, if anybody is to claim victory, it's the Save the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield Group. They are the people who for the past year have fought a David and Goliath battle against the Victorian state government, which they should never have been forced to be involved in. Thousands of hours... Lots of tears, lots of pushing and shoving, a lot of work. And now the government of the day is taking credit. We've listened to the people. We've listened. Well, you wouldn't have bloody listened to the people if they hadn't actually fought against you. And for you to take credit 
is disgraceful. So this Sunday, we will give credit to the people who deserve it, who have won this David and Goliath struggle, who have saved the Bunya Bunya tree and the railway house from demolition. And that's the Save the Bunya Bunya Tree and Railway House Beaconsfield Group. Congratulations. It was interesting because I've got close relationships with this group over the last two months or so. And it's interesting. How did they find out they'd won the battle? Did somebody bother to send them an email from the government? Did somebody bother to telephone them? No. They found out when they read a newspaper article that they'd won the struggle. Were they mentioned at all? No. The Victorian state government never, never negotiates with protest groups. Staged, managed, dribble. Stage, managed, dribble. And if they think they'll get away with the fact that we're going to give them any credit, I mean... These were, this is an extraordinary tree. It must come on Sunday, midday, 2nd of April. That's Grand Prix, vroom, 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 vroom day. Obviously, if you don't like the vroom, vroom, it's a great way to get away from it. It's about 50 k's from the Melbourne GPO, Beaconsfield. You can catch the train, about 45-minute ride, get out of the station, Look to your right, and there's the bunya bunya tree. It's about a three-minute walk to the picnic site. And I think you think the thing about struggle, and I've been involved in a lot of struggles. Most of we've lost, a few we've won. But the thing is, when you win a struggle, it is very, very important that you ensure that people understand that that struggle was won by you because of the efforts you made, and you don't allow the very people who created the problem in the first place to claim credit for resolving the problem because in this situation this problem should never have occurred the people of Beaconsfield should not have been put through a ringer for the last 12 months and most importantly of all now that they've won that struggle their participation and part their push and shove in that struggle needs to be publicly recognised not just by us and those people will be coming to the picnic but by everybody in the state, in the state of Victoria and by the Victorian state government so we'll see you there this Sunday, midday that's right, midday this Sunday at uh, 20 Beaconsville Avenue, Beaconsville. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Net- Network. Look, the next topic is a little bit boring. I mean, all topics are boring when you think about it, isn't it? Especially when you live in a me, 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 me society where there is no past, there is no present. Sorry, there is no past, there is no future. It's all about the present. It's all about instant gratification through PayPal or, or some other thing. You know, you you see it, you want it, you take it, you're indebted. It's very simple. Great way to embed us as consumers in the 
current private investment for private profit mantra, which uh, we sing every day, every minute of every day. So, so what am I talking about? The bu- the politicisation of the bureaucracy. Now, there are two things that have happened in the last few years. One at a federal level and one at a Victorian state level, which highlight what happens when the bureaucracy is politicised. Now, let's go through some fundamental thinking, all right? Some fundamental thinking because I find it extraordinary, and I've been around a fair bit, you know, I find it extraordinary how little people seem to understand about the type of government we have and the function of the different arms of government. And I'm not talking about those who pull the levers of power. That's another story which you all know. So the bureaucracy at a state and federal level, the political bureaucracy, is there to implement government policy and theoretically to advise government about government policies and the ins and outs of that policy. Now, what's been happening over the last two decades is various governments change. The heads of departments, which was normally a relatively permanent position, change, and they change quite rapidly. And what we see, as we see in the legal uh, area, what we see is ideologically driven appointments by the government of the day which basically make the bureaucracy, whether it's in health, education, you know, you name it, whether it's the police, even the armed forces, an arm not of the government or the state, an arm not of the state, but an arm of the government of the day. Now, the role of the bureaucracy is to be an arm of the state, not an arm of the government of the day. And as ideologically appointed heads of departments and subheads of departments and managers, look at the ABC boards as a classical example occurred, what we see is a shift in the role of the bureaucracy, which theoretically is there to serve the people by implementing government legislation. Now, a classical example, which we've seen through the Royal Commission, which obviously most of us knew before the Royal Commission, of the failures of the politicisation of the bureaucracy is what happened with the robo-debt scheme. Now, the robo-debt scheme wasn't some piddly little scheme that affected a few hundred people. It was an illegally created scheme, illegally implemented. It impinged on the lives of possibly millions of people, causing unnecessary mental and psychiatric distress, leading to depression and even suicide. And as we saw the guests, I like to use the word guest, uh, 
when you're called in by a royal commissioner. I have been called in by once, and it is a guest. You are a guest. You never say no. As you give your evidence, right, as you're questioned, as these people were questioned, as the bureaucrats came in, we saw the politicians come in and say, oh, maybe I said that, can't remember. Oh, yeah, I take all full responsibility as long as there's no action against me. As the bureaucrats came in, we saw the fact that the bureaucracy, because it had been politicised, did not, wasn't willing to rock the boat by telling the Morrison-led government what was going on. Just refused. Just implemented the scheme, although it was blatantly illegal and causing distress. Just didn't bother. Just said, yep, 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 yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, three bags full sir. Then we look at the the investigation into the Victorian state government during the COVID-19 lockdown and the breakout of COVID-19 from their hotel quarantine program because a decision was made not to use police to enforce the program as far as hospital quarantine was concerned but to use private security firms who had no experience in the area to carry out the program and we saw the virus escape from hotel quarantine and have devastating impacts on the community. And when an investigation began, the fascinating thing was, after weeks of evidence, because obviously the state government was forced to carry out an investigation because of public pressure, after weeks of evidence, we never found out, and this is hilarious, although the consequence was so serious because people died, we never found out who gave the order. Who gave the order for the bureaucracy to outsource the health department, the Victorian Health Department, to outsource the responsibility for maintaining hotel quarantine to unqualified private organisations? The Premier denied responsibility. The bureaucrats in the Department of Health denied responsibility. A police commissioner denied responsibility. It must have been the fairies. Or it could have been gremlins, I reckon. Gremlins do have a reputation of causing mayhem. So I reckon it was the gremlins. Once again, what this highlights is what happens when you politicise bureaucracy, and especially in Victoria, which I'm familiar with, the bureaucracy, whether it's in public housing or health or education, has been reduced, that's right, has been reduced to basically giving out contracts to private companies and corporations to carry out work which should be carried out by the public sector. Extraordinary.
So there are consequences. Sometimes it can take a while for these consequences to be uh, obvious to people because decisions are made rapidly, but consequences come occur down the track. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Let's move on to the Victorian Premier, one of my favourite people. I stood against him at the state election with a resounding, unsuccessful campaign. But... I'm fascinated to see that we're still running down the Ponzi economic pathway. Now, if you do find yourself in Victoria, especially in Melbourne, you'll see unnecessary, gold-plated construction everywhere. It's a good way to keep the um, construction corporations and the, and the unions on side. Gold-plated, unnecessary, expensive construction, which is not even needed. Again, this is based on the concept of growth for growth's sake. That's what Ponzi economics is. It's like a Ponzi scheme, you know. You invest, you pay off the investors of the money that's been invested who actually don't invest it. And we are in the midst of a Ponzi economic crisis, not just in Victoria but other states. And what we've seen in the last few days is the Victorian Premier fly off to China. Now, I've got no problems with the Victorian Premier flying off to China. I'd like to fly off to China and have a bit of a break, maybe meet some important people. It won't be happening, but you never know. And what is he flying off to China for? On his Ponzi economic scheme, he wants more overseas Chinese students to come to Melbourne to fill up the substandard apartments which have been built for students around the Melbourne CBD to increase growth. So it's all about growth for growth's sake. That's what this construction frenzy is all about. This frenzy to bring people across to be, you know, to keep the engine moving. Because the problem is the engine is beginning to slow down. It's beginning to creak, creaking, it's creaking to a halt, slowly but surely. And obviously the Victorian Premier has been given a little bit of information about where this Ponzi economic uh, runoff is going. And the only way... The only way in a Ponzi scheme, the only way to keep it going is you've got to bring in new investors. And then when, when the money runs out, the new investors lose out. Now, you're the investor. You're the investor at a state level and at a federal level. You're the investor, although they call you a customer. But no, you're not a customer, you're an investor, right? So if, once these Ponzi schemes reach their end, and they all reach their end, because they're not, they're not, they're not self-sustaining then there is problems. That's when you have depressions. When you've got increasing interest rates, increasing pressure on businesses, increasing inflation, 
and an economy which is based on a Ponzi scheme of growth for growth's sake, not on satisfying human needs, but on satisfying manufactured human needs, on manufacturing activity in order to employ people in jobs which basically lead nowhere at the end of the day. So, keep your ears and eyes open because the way this country is heading, and we're not going to have a soft landing as they say, be prepared for a hard landing. And who is going to be the person who lands hard? It won't be the 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication. Some of the investment class will find out that the private investment for private profit mantra isn't all it's cracked up to be unless you're, you know, you're part of the you know, corporate sector. And the rest of us, will be carrying the can for their failure. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio network. Now look, once the, one, one of the functions of the Anarchist World this week is to create a community of like-minded people, not people who just go and say, yeah, 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 but it, by organising events which attract people to things that, make a difference to activities and campaigns that can make a difference I should say that can could will may make a difference it's not campaigns that may you may win but campaigns that make a difference and in order to do that another thing that uh, has been organized for uh, by the Anarchist Institute for uh, this year is 10 presentations on pivotal moments in Australian radical history. We've already done two. One was the Tanaminaway Morbohina execution. The other one was the Paris Commune. It's links to the uh, Australia in the 1870s and 1880s. The next one will be on the, the 19th of April, Wednesday the 19th of April, and if you are in Melbourne, it's at the Footscray Hotel, 54 Hopkins Street, Footscray. Obviously, it's a free event. Uh, 6.30 for a 7.30... for a 7 o'clock start. So come in at 6.30, have a few drinks. Or just sit down. 7 o'clock start. Be finished by 9 or 10. Uh, the pres- I'll be doing the presentation on Never Again, which is a history of the Australian anti-conscription struggle during World War One with Anzac Day coming up on the 25th of April. It's important that we understand that World War One was a war which was fought by workers at either end of a bayonet for the glory of God, King and Country. But more importantly in Australia, the people involved in the anti-conscription struggle saved the lives of another, saved another 60,000 young Australian men being sacrificed on the European killing fields for the glory of God, king and country. So put it in your diary, turn up. The hotel doesn't serve um, food. You can get packaged stuff. So bring it along. You're more than welcome to bring along your own uh, tea. There'll be a bit of entertainment by a comedian called Hellchild and uh, by the, uh, how shall I put it, infamous 
Tony Millman. That's right. There are famous musicians and entertainers and infamous ones and Tony Millman. So come along. Good evening. We're hoping this will be the third in a series of ten. They are uh, videotaped. The videotape of the first two is available on my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. So there are things happening. Talking about things happening. Don't forget about the public housing everybody's business visuals. The tide is turning. This is one of the few campaigns I've been involved in where there's been almost universal support from people and universal opposition from governments at the state and federal level and from people in the community, social and affordable housing sector who understand a public housing, a strong public housing sector means the death of the uh, private uh, sector in that regard. So uh, vigils in Melbourne, and again, you could conduct vigils across the country. Uh, There'll be a vigil on the 30th of March, 12pm to 1pm, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And the following week, the vigil will be on Wednesday, the 5th of April, from 6pm to 7pm, and uh, we've changed that date in order to allow people who are wage slaves to come along and participate in the vigil. Now, I saw a little interesting piece of information. It's difficult to know how much uh, weight to put on it, but it does highlight a very important issue in this country, especially with the growth of agribusiness and the fact that a lot of people in regional Australia continue to re-elect National Party members. Now, a few have moved into the independent um, field. Now, a recent survey of 1,300 farmers, and again, you know, I take this with a grain of salt, because they're very high, very high, said that 30% of the farmers who had been surveyed, that's I think it was 1,300 farmers, claimed that they thought about self-harm, mainly directly as a result of the financial pressures they found themselves under. And this is an extraordinary percentage, even if it's 10% of farmers, you know, flirt with the idea of self-harm because of the difficult economic situations they find themselves in, you begin to understand that this is, is an issue. And again, the farming sector, like the rest of Australia, has been devastated by the privatisation mantra. And when Black Jack McEwen was leader of the Country Party, we used to call the Country Party agrarian socialists, because although their social policies were disgusting, not that there's been much change with the uh, National Party, as we've seen with their opposition to the... uh, upcoming referendum regarding a voice to parliament. But as far as looking after their members was concerned, they were number one. Today, the National Party across the country at the state and federal level is nothing more than an appendage of the agri-business, the private investment for private profit sector. Many small farmers 
whether they were graziers, whether they're farmers, survived and prospered because of mutualisation and cooperatives. Having a mutual society or a cooperative society ensured that you got a basic return for your efforts, that you weren't like a little little floaty thing in the ocean, you know, being buffeted by every current that occurred. But what we saw in the last 30 to 40 years was the demutualization and the destruction of the cooperative sector in the farming world. And what that meant is that each farmer was on their own. And if you have a good season, and I've done a fair bit, I've done a fair bit of farming during my life. If you have a good season, it'll cover you for the next two or three seasons. But if you have two or three bad seasons, if you're not part of a mutual group or a cooperative group, you don't survive as an individual. We now live in a society where mechanisation is the name of the game, especially in the farming sector. It's not about hiring labour, it's about mechanisation and borrowing money from financial institutions to afford those machines that are necessary in order to produce products. So what we're seeing is individual farmers bombing you know, popping up and down, up and down, bobbing up and down in a notion of competition. No mutual support, no cooperatives, no basic income. And no wonder we hear that uh, 30% of farmers, small farmers, are looking at self-harm as a solution to their financial issues. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. See you at the Beaconsfield, the Bunya Bunya Tree Picnic at midday, Sunday the 2nd of April, 20 Beaconsfield Avenue, Beaconsfield. And the important thing is get involved, do things, stop watching the TV, the net. You know, you can watch or you can do what the people of France and the people of Israel are doing. You need to get out on the streets to change things because ultimately power in a democracy rests in the hands of the people not the state not the government of the day not the bureaucracy go to the YouTube channel Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Facebook page Joseph Toscano web page Public Interest Before Corporate Interest thank you listen to the Anarchist World this week next week on your local community radio station Evil minds that plot destruction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds.
Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.